0: everyone to our aviation podcast. We've got three of our wonderful Bucks students here talk to talk to you today. Um, Faria.
1: Hi guys, my name is Faria. So I'm currently studying a Masters in International Aviation Regulation and Law here at Bucks. And I actually graduated from Bucks last year um, studying air transport with commercial pilot training.
2: Hi there, my name Jacob, I'm currently in my second year um, studying um, air transport with commercial pilot training and I'm doing things a little bit differently this year due to the pandemic. Uh, I've actually swapped my years round um, so I'm doing one of my third year modules and um, final research project and then in my third year I'm going to be off doing my pilot training and ATPL theory.
3: Hello, I'm Jordan Penning, and uh, I'm currently studying a master's in international aviation regulation and law at Bucks University. And uh, I was also a recent graduate in in last year doing the air transport with uh, pilot training.
0: Okey doke. Then, so first question, Jacob. Let's put this one to you first. Why aviation? What first got you interested in flying, and what made you think yes, this is the career for me?
2: So um, I was really lucky enough to. Uh... Um, when I was really young, to go abroad a lot on holidays, um, particularly um, from London Gatwick to Orlando. Used to do that nearly every year I'm um, on the Virgin Atlantic Boeing 747, a uh, beautiful aircraft. Um, and I remember one time uh, I was around 10 or 11, I think, and I, um, we were sat on the upper deck of the aircraft. Again, I'm not sure why. And um, we had our grandparents um, with us, and then they had some um, mobility issues. Um, so when we landed um, back into Gatwick, um, we had to wait for the um, for the wheelchairs to come and for them to get down the get down the quite narrow stairs. And while while we were waiting, um, of course, um, the cockpit is on the upper deck as well. Um, so and I saw the captain. And he caught my eye, and he asked me, oh, um, do you want to come into the cockpit and take a look around? And I was like, sure, like anyone would, because it's such a surreal experience when you step in um, to the cockpit. And I remember going in, um, sitting down in the captain's chair, um, and I remember asking, uh, how fast does this plane go? And um, he says, 550 knots. And I'm like sitting there and playing Confusion, not knowing what knots were. And I remember to this day, that's how my uh, pilot training, well, not pilot training, but sort of uh, fascination in aviation uh, came about. But it wasn't until when I was around 16 years old um, where I start, just started doing my A-levels. Um, I still didn't really know what I fully wanted to do. I hadn't switched the mind in my head saying um, that that pilot, tra- pilot training is what I want to do. I want to become a pilot. Um, so uh, my parents um, booked me a trial flight for my 17th birthday. Um, and we did it at Booker Aviation um, just down the road from um, Bucks in High Wycombe. And yeah, um, once I did the trial flight, um, I enjoyed every moment of it and being of the aircraft. And that's when I thought to myself, yes, I think this is the right career for me.
0: Has it lived up to your expectations?
2: Uh, It definitely has so far. I mean, we are in the middle of a pandemic, so things have been delayed, um, but I am enjoying um, every moment of it.
0: Cool. Let's see if the others uh, have similar stories. Jordan, what about you? What first got you interested in becoming a pilot?
3: So um, it's it's a bit of a, a multitude of different things, actually. So I used to go to air shows when I was really young, and that was Duxford and Riyadh were the two main ones, and that really sparked the passion for aviation with me, going around the museums, looking at all the old aircraft and all the kind of military aircraft as well, and then um, going to actually see the shows and see all these aerobatic performances was just fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So um, I knew as soon as I was old enough that I could go for a taster flight And a Cessna 152. Um, The door opened at 3,000 feet, which was a bit (laughs) bit interesting, but I found out that's a common thing with Cessnas. Um, (laughs) And uh, it felt really good. I was really enjoying it. Um, I kind of picked up everything naturally. My instructor was fantastic in in just showing me everything. And um, I really had a keen passion for it. And then um, to carry that on, I joined the Air Cadets when I was 14. And uh, I was in the Air Cadets for six years. Um, doing as much flying as I could and doing aerobatics and formation flying, which was a great experience. And uh, then I kind of looked into the more the commercial side through my uh, BA work experience, which I was lucky enough to get. And um, I got to see everything behind the operations, how an aircraft actually gets from A to B, not just how to fly it. And I definitely knew from then on it was the right career for me.
0: Awesome. That sounds great. I was going to say to you, why not? Why aren't you going to become like an an acro... What did you call it? Not an acrobat.
3: Well, I, I still want to go into aerobatics. Aerobatics. That makes yeah. more sense. Uh, the Red Bull Air Race is something that is a real passion of mine. And um, unfortunately, it stopped in 2019. But a brand new for, form of it is going to be coming out um, in 2022. So that's something I'm definitely looking forward to and working towards.
0: Something to aspire to once you've graduated, for sure. Yeah. Um, Cool. And Freya, what about you? Um,
1: So for me, mine was kind of similar to Jacob's. Um, My holiday always started whenever I was at the airport. I constantly had my eyes glued to the terminal where all the aircraft were lined up. And I watched in awe of how such big things were able to take off into the sky so easily. It just seemed literally like it was just magic. Um, I remember getting so excited when I would see the pilots walking through the airport or having a glimpse of the flight deck as we boarded the aircraft. Um, And as I got older, I got more aware of the dynamics behind flying and got more interested in wanting to become a pilot, because I generally had this drive of wanting to take control of this aircraft myself and go flying. Um, And then it was only when I got to sixth form, I was really keen on starting my flight training, but a massive dream of mine was also to go to university and get a degree. Um, And I had a look at a lot of like pilot-related courses at university, and a lot of them were aerospace engineering, and to me, that didn't really suit my passion. Although it was to do with aviation, it just didn't give me that buzz that I wanted. Um, and then I came across Air Transport with Commercial Pilot Training here at Bucks. And then I looked at the modules and I was like, wow, this is exactly what I want to be doing. I want to learn about like the industry as well as like business management, all that stuff that I really enjoyed at, during school. And it was all re- related to aviation. So I was like, this is the one. And then since then, I've literally had my heart set on going to Bucks. Since I found out the day about the course, I remember going to a UCAS fair in Excel walked around all the stands and I actually somehow missed Bucks when I was walking around and then at the end my group of friends we sat down and we were just going through all the prospectuses and one of my friends gave me the Bucks prospectus and they were like hey there's a pilot course I was like no no I've seen all of them they're all aerospace engineering and then she handed me this one and then I looked through her and I was like this is the one for me and then since then I've just been so eager to start the journey at
0: Bucks. Well aren't you lucky that your friend uh... <laughs> Yeah. That then. <laughs> yeah um, honestly. Well you've probably for free, you, you've probably answered my next question, but Jacob and Jordan, um, I'd be interested to hear from you guys why you decided to choose the degree route rather than going straight into your pilot's training. Jordan, what, what would you say?
3: I would say that um I, I, I went to Pilot Careers Live. That was how I kind of found bucks. Um I literally went five, six times before I made the final decision and uh, i looked at all the different flight training schools um i looked at all the different universities that were offering similar courses and uh by just comparing it over the kind of space of three years i really got to see that bucks was the best option and that's actually quite a bit of thorough research that i did into it um because it's a large amount of money so you've got to do your research and this course gave me a great understanding of the whole industry, as well as all the support which you wouldn't get for an integrated course. Furthermore, it's a it's aviation industry as we all know right now is quite a volatile industry. It gets up, it goes up and down all the time. You're always going to have where there's pilot shortages to no pilot jobs at all, and to have this backup of the degree is so important in this industry. It really is because it can't. You could just lose your medical. There's something as simple as that, and that's it. Um, but if you've got the degree, you can work in management positions, you can work in finance, you can work in pretty much any role in the aviation industry. So it gives you so many options to fall back on, but it also gives you so many options for later on in your career. So you may want to be a fleet manager for, for an airline where you're managing a whole Boeing fleet, for example. And by having the degree and having the understanding of the industry behind it, you're in a much better position to do that. So, um, yeah, the degree, that's why I chose that, because it's so important. Um, And there's no need to rush into it, because, you know, you can be a commercial pilot up to 65 years old. So And that could even be extended in the future, because of all the medical advances um, that we're having. So, you know, there's no rush to go straight into integrated out of school and, and then not have any kind of experience or knowledge of the industry behind what you're going into. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much my answer.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it sounds like not only is it kind of a security thing in terms of, you know, like you were saying, the industry can be somewhat volatile, obviously, especially at Mm. the moment, Um, but also just in terms of your kind of long term career prospects as well. So if you decided at any point that you wanted to try something different, that's perhaps more operational behind the scenes or whatever, then you've got that really kind of thorough understanding, which I'm going to assume would put you ahead of those other candidates who might only have the pilot experience. Exactly. um, Cool. Thank you. Jacob, have you got anything to add to that?
2: Yes. So um, the reason why I decided to get a degree then rather than going straight into pilot training um, is the truth. I didn't feel ready to take the sudden leap into a flight school and start um, doing loads of, like, theory, start doing loads of flying um, all at once for, like within 14 months. Um, I felt that would be quite intense for me. Um, I felt that there was a lot more to learn about myself, um, learning styles. I did all right in my A-levels. Not the best, but I did all right, passed all of them um, with good grades. Um, but I felt that I needed a bit more support to um, get, to that next step, to get to that next place to help me towards uh, achieve my dreams and um, go forward with the career I want to go forward with. Um, deciding to get a degree again did not happen until I was in my um, A-levels. Um, um, upon researching more about flight training and uh, what was needed, um, and we came across, as Jordan said, Pilot Careers Life. Um, and for those uh, for those of you listening that do not know what Part of Careers Live is, um, it's a two-day convention um, held at Heathrow Airport, um, where a load of flight schools and airlines gather to promote their courses and what they offer. And it's also where I first found out um, about Buxton University. Um, and I thought to, thought to myself, damn, this might be a great show. Um, not only do I learn um, how to fly um, and some of the elements of my training go towards my degree, um, but I also get to learn things about the aviation industry. Um, I may not have known um by just going through a flight school. Um, as all they focus on um, is the flight training and um learning to become a captain. Whereas doing a degree um, alongside your flight training, um you get to learn about like airport management, um, finance, uh, marketing and all of that. Um so you do get an all-round experience doing a degree alongside your pilot training and it is definitely something um, which you should which you should think about um, if you want to look forward to career in aviation
0: awesome so it sounds it sounds very much like you all know um, exactly the reasons that you picked bucks over other universities it's it sounds like we offer just a bit more of a unique um set of modules and and the way that our degree is set up is quite different to other universities um but what is your favourite thing about Bucks? Now, that might be very aviation specific or it could just be a general kind of student thing. What would you say? Let's go to you first, Jordan.
3: Oh, you put me on the spot here. <laughs> There's so many things I could could mention. But if I had to choose, I think it's the big deal because with the big deal, you get all the sports, all the societies Um and we have one of the fantastic societies, which is the Aviation Society, um, which offers so much more on top of your degree. Um, and you get to make so many great friends that are all aviation-minded. Or um, I'm in the badminton team and I was badminton team captain for a year. So I uh, got to meet so many people through that as well. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit later on about what the Aviation Society offers in, in a later question. But yeah, the big deal has got to be the the reason the favourite thing for me.
0: Awesome. And also, just for anyone listening, the big deal um, actually means that all of the societies and activities that we have at Bucks are free, which is quite rare for universities. Um, so, another amazing reason uh, to come and study with us at Bucks. Jacob, what do you think? What would you say is your favourite thing about Bucks?
2: I think my favourite thing, and also what's really special about Bucks as well, um, is the diversity um, around the whole university. Um, particularly in terms of the international students. So I know people from India, Hong Kong, Italy, um, South Africa, Thailand, Cayman Islands even, um, in, the, um, in the Caribbean around there. Um, it's such a diverse university, and I know I'll be making friends for life from people not only in the country, but people around the world. So I cannot wait to go and see them at their own homes um, over in Hong Kong and Thailand and all those places. You
0: won't even need to be put up in a hotel once you're a captain. You can just be like, it's all right, guys, I've got this. <laughs> I can go stay at Dave's house. Yeah. <laughs> um, Freya, what about you?
1: Now, for me, I really love that Bucks is a relatively smaller uni compared to the others. So um, this really means that we're taught on a really personal level. Like, everyone knows each other on a face and face basis. Even the lecturers, like, they really got to know and understand how we work. So the support we got was really tailored to us. Like, their doors were always open. And whenever we went in to see them, they'd always know what we were struggling with, what we need to help with, or how they can support us. And even, like, group projects, because everyone got on with each other in the class, everyone knew who we were. The group projects weren't as daunting as I thought they'd be, because for our course, we have a lot of presentations as assignments and stuff. And because everyone's so friendly and everyone knows each other on a personal level, it was just so much easier to work with and work with everyone um, really nicely.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I mean, that goes for all of our courses, really. It's it's such a nice little intimate university with small classes. So you do get that personal relationship with your tutors and stuff. So that's that's awesome. Um, Okay, so. What I would really like to hear from you guys about is probably one of the questions that most people listening to this podcast will be considering the most. And it sounds like you guys all did as well when you were thinking about what to do with your careers. And that's the the huge investment financially that pilot training requires. So, um, Jacob, why don't we come to you first on that? What have you got to say about that?
2: Uh, don't even get me started on the question because it is, um, yeah, it it's, it is definitely... Um, out of the out of like the top things you have to think about um, when we, when wanting to train to become pilot is the financing. How on earth are you going to fund this thing? So for me, um, one 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 of the good things about pilot training is that you have two routes to go down, and I'll talk about it um, for a couple of minutes. Um, you have integrated training, and then you have modular flight training. Um, so integrated training is where you spend all of your time and all of your training at one single flight school um, for one price, and you pay that in set installments. Um, that could be looking to set you back. Um, it depends what flight school you go to. Um, if you go to one of the mainstream ones, you could be looking at 85000 up to 90000 um whereas um uh, some other place you may get it for like seventy-five thousand. Um but it's quite a lot of money. Um and you usually get get that done in around you usually get the whole course done around um fourteen to eighteen months. Um again depends where you do it, how often you fly, um, and all of that. Then you get to modular training and now um airlines used to only take a look at integrated training, but now they've um taken a look at a more broader look, saying, look, it's about the person, not about how you did the training. Uh modular training is um so like you're taking it step by step. You're paying as you go, it's like building blocks. Um so you've got to do like um in, in the first year of your in the first year of the commercial um pilot training degree, um, you have to complete your private pilot license um and then in the second year um you may go to a different flight school and do your atpl theory um you have that more freedom to do where you want to do your training and you can usually do it for a much cheaper cost um you can do it from anywhere in the region um from maybe even 50k even to about um 75k so it is that bit cheaper it may take longer um, as you're doing it at a slower rate um, if you have like more financing issues to worry about. Um, but in terms of finance and the value for money, um, in my opinion, modular is the way to go. Um, and um, you've got a huge level of commitment to take. Um, once you start the journey, um, you've got to see it through to the end unless you've got financing or medical medical issues. And uh, one final thing as well is you need to have a supportive family on this journey. Um, that is one thing which I found really helped. Um, a family that backs you 100%, 110% along the way.
0: Thank you, Jacob. That's really interesting. Um, what about you, Jordan? What do you think um, in terms of the commitment, obviously, that you need to sort of really decide that you're going to do this from the from the get-go and see it through like jacob was saying what what made you feel comfortable with making that
3: decision so i think the first important thing as jacob said this modular is definitely cheaper than integrated it could be 50 to 60k uh, cheaper than integrated because there are some integrated courses that charge up to 120k um at the moment and for the last maybe three four years there's been literally no difference in pilot recruitment of modular and integrated students, that kind of thing was a uh, a history thing, which was probably about ten years ago, where there were just higher integrated students. Now, in fact, because of COVID, modular is actually the preferred route uh, because it allows you the flexibility to kind of deal with what you need to do in terms of jobs and things like that, and also to kind of extend your training a little bit because obviously there's no airline jobs as such at the end. So the modular route is giving you that increased flexibility. And um, the only thing that an integrated would get you for 50 to 60K more is to be put into a holding pool. But that holding pool is full of all the pilots with the same license and the same amount of hours, and you're just a number, essentially. Whereas with the modular, they've seen the hard work, the the dedication that you put in to try and get to where you want it to achieve. And um, you've just got to be vigilant, though. You've got to be vigilant to have all your training records, easily accessible, nicely um, you know, put together, not all in different countries and different places because otherwise then it makes the recruiter's job a lot tougher to get that information. So as long as you're vigilant with that and you're committed, you can do it within the same amount of time as an integrated course. You can do it for 50 to 60K cheaper and there's literally no downsides to it. And in fact, you will actually get more flying more practical flying than an integrated course, so those are the f- the three things. And uh, furthermore, with being a BUCK student, you have access to the Air League uh, Air League memberships, which can also help provide scholarships to reduce that training cost even further. So there's flying scholarships, and there's also ATPL scholarships and MCC, which is towards the end of your training. So all of these different things that you can do through BUCKS. Can reduce the cost even further for you so yeah it was a no-brainer.
0: Okay cool and Faria what about you have you got any advice based on your own experience when it comes to that sort of commitment that you need to take?
1: Um, I just wanted to touch I know that flying training is a huge investment financially but I also want to touch on the fact that it's still a massive investment of your own personal time because flying training is not something you can do like on the weekends or as a hobby when you start your flying training especially towards doing a commercial license it requires so much dedication because there's so much to learn and you have to learn everything to the highest of standards. It's not like you can learn something and then forget about it a couple of weeks later. Everything that you're learning is because you're going to be in the control of a flight deck and you're handling an aircraft which has about 500 people behind you. So you're responsible for their safety as well as yours. Um, so it does tend to get quite overwhelming sometimes, especially when you're doing things like your ATL theory. So in your second year, um, whilst you're doing this course, you go away to a flight school and focus solely on your ATPL theory, this means you're basically nine to five out of flight school every single day in the classroom, learning all the theory, all the equations, all the um, things behind it. And it's very easy to get very um, stressed out and very bogged down about it. But the, what I used to do is I used to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. It's very easy to get lost in it, but feeling the feeling of going flying or seeing a picture posted by an airline pilot of a beautiful view from the flight deck it just gives me that extra motivation to push myself and keep going because it is achievable. You just need to have that sort of dedication of your time and obviously financial investment. And yeah, it's, it's, really, it's, 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 it's a really, really great thing to do. But um, you need to have that focus for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would suggest that anyone listening who um, has any questions or concerns about uh, the commitment, financial or other, uh, if you visit our website or speak to our admissions team, then they will be able to help you a bit, bit more with that. Um, OK, so on to a bit more of a light hearted one now. Faria, what is it like being in the air? Um, and is the reality of flying different from what you expected when you first got into the cockpit um, before flying started?
1: Honestly it was better than I thought it could ever be. Um, I didn't really know what to expect because it's such a different thing to do like it's not your normal I'm going for a driving lesson or I'm learning something what people normally do. Um, I remember having my first lesson at Booker and I was so nervous about the fact he was doing all these things pressing all these buttons talking on the radio and I was like I'm meant to be learning all of that by myself I'm going to be flying this plane by myself in in a little while Um, but honestly not so long after that I was flying solo like I remember the first time I flew solo by myself it was the most incredible feeling and I'll never forget that feeling um and since taking um since getting my PPR license I've loved taking people who are non-aviation related so people like friends and family taking them up into the skies it's honestly such a different world up there it feels so peaceful and it's like you sort of get away from your stresses like you're up there and you're, just, you're with yourself or with your friend and it's just so nice to be able to escape to the skies and forget about everything else. It honestly is has been something better than I could have expected.
0: Wow, that's a good advertisement if ever I heard one. <laughs> Jake, Jacob, what would you say your experience was?
2: Um, so I've thoroughly enjoyed um, being up in the air. Um, from, from I remember the the moment I did my first solo, um, and I was doing a couple of circuits around the airfield, some laps. And um, I remember landing and then um, taxiing back to the start of the runway. And uh, my instructor was like, oh, um, do you want to have a go on your own? And I was like, I've got to get it done at some point. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, he left the aircraft. Um, I went up. And you just get a new sense of awareness around you, a sense of um, liberty and freedom when you're up in the air by yourself. Um but also, um, you also get a, also like a sense of responsibility. Um... At the end of the day it's your aircraft you're controlling um i think it's one of the only times where i'll say it's my aircraft i own it i don't actually own it um the airfield does um but yeah you get what i'm in um i remember but also you do you do have to you do have to be careful at the end of the day as well i remember um, the day before uh, my first solo um i actually had my first bird strike um which um, was an interesting experience Um, um the aircraft was fine and everything there was no damage um but i I did kill a red kite sadly um yeah i know it's um a poor creature um, but it happens and you do get a sense right you right this is real um you you do you do need to watch out up there but at the same time enjoy yourself um enjoy yourself while you're up in the air and yeah it's such a great experience
0: what actually happens out of interest when you do have a bird strike for anyone who sort of doesn't know what that is? I mean, I watched Sully recently, so I know what it is, but for anyone who who doesn't know um what 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 is it in a, in a nutshell and also how do you handle it when it happens
2: well, so um, obviously uh, my my situation was not like Sully. I did not have to cra- <laughs> uh, crash land into um, the River Thames um, but um Basically, um, I was taking a bit like Sully. I was taking off, um, just took off. Um, I was about thirty feet up in the air, and yeah, there was not enough time to land. And essentially, the red kite um, took off um, in the same direction as I was going, um, just under my just under my left wing. Um, and I didn't even notice it at first, my instructor did and then we got confirmation on the radio as well saying yeah you've just clipped the red kite, and it's just gone crashing down um, onto the ground um, so yeah in that situation um, obviously I had the instructor there um, he knew what I was doing but I knew what I was doing as well we knew we had to uh, um, do a quick lap of the circuit and land back um, onto the airfield um, taxi off the runway and switch off the engine um, just to make sure um, that there was no damage to the aircraft and just to make sure um, like there was no fuel leaking because again it did hit the wing that's where the fuel tanks are um, and um, there was no damage at all um, but you do have to like be careful, like if anything hits you up in the sky, get down quickly. Um or get down in a safe um, and efficient manner.
0: And hopefully you can do it that on land and not on the water.
2: Yeah. Definitely.
0: <laughs> that sounds like an experience and a half for quite a, you know, inexperienced pilot mm. at that time. Um Jordan, what about you?
3: Well, I can only uh, echo what Jacob said. You know, the sense of freedom and responsibility that you've got is is just a feeling like no other. Um I would say it's all about controlling your mental capacity um, in terms of your capacity bucket, you know, with anything. If you fill it up and you don't prepare, then it fills up very quickly and then it becomes very stressful. But if you do a lot of preparation beforehand, which is pretty much like 60, 70 percent of aviation is pre- preparation beforehand, then it just feels so great in the air. You know, you feel comfortable, you feel um calm. You just it feels like basically driving a car for like you've been driving it for 10 years, for example. Um, and I always try and challenge myself on every flight. So, you know, maybe next month I'll go a little bit further. I'll try different air airfields with maybe a more challenging runway or a challenging landing. And the landings are the thing I thrive for because that's the best fit in aviation flying, I think. Um, you know, it's never going to be the same. There's always different conditions, different things that are going to affect your landing crosswinds uh rain you know the list is endless so yeah the landings are fantastic and trying to keep improving your landings is something that a pilot always does um and as a pilot you're always learning and you have to be as a pilot this is something you've got to embrace you've got to love learning um and, and yeah that that is what it's like for me in the air
0: that sounds really cool. You're kind of giving me some uh, inspiration to go and find, go find some money to become a pilot. Now, do it. Um, <laughs> let's turn our attention to kind of the current um, climate in the world at the moment. Obviously, we're living through COVID right now, and I think every every one knows how much of an impact that's had on the travel industry, then more so specifically, you know, piloting and the aviation, aviation industry. Um, what are your thoughts around COVID and how it'll impact the industry in the short and long term? And how do you think that can influence what you do once you have your degree? Priya, why don't we come to you on that one first?
1: Um, so short term, there's no joke, it's, it's quite bad. Like the aviation industry has really suffered just because um, of all the travel restrictions and all the border closures. It's, meant that people can't fly and airplanes are not going up in the air. Um, but to be honest, it's actually had some sort of good um, implications as well. For me, example, um, I was meant to finish my training in the summer, but I didn't. I actually went on to do a master's because I thought, um, what could I use my time better with? And I'll talk, we'll talk about the master's a bit, a little bit later. Um, but it's been, really, it's been a really difficult time, really weird time. And it's been, some people compare it to things like 9-11, where air traffic completely stopped. But um, as a long term thing, aviation isn't going to um, go away. It's going to bounce back really, really quickly because people are dying for a holiday, including me. I cannot wait to get back in there and go back on holiday somewhere. So it's just a matter of um, waiting for when rather than if we can travel again. So I would still remain very, very hopeful. It's just a matter. It's just a waiting game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Good point. Jacob, what do you think?
2: um so uh, again like free has said um it will um it will take a few years um to get back um to where aviation was before the pandemic seeing um seeing aircraft take off at ether every 90 seconds and then me playing spot the plane on my flight radar app and then also oh what what airline is this where's that going try and try and play the guessing game um but um, again, it's also important to note that not only has this affected the current pilots um, flying for airlines, it's also affected student pilots. It's it's, it's affected us um, during the degree. Um, of course, Faria's had to stall her training, um, and of course she started a master's degree. Um, I had to uh, swap my years round. Um, I wasn't able to complete my, complete my uh, private pilot license on time, um, and I'm still trying to get that now. Um, but it just meant I had to um, uh, take a bit of initiative, swap the years round, and do all of my third-year modules and dissertation and get that done out of the way so I can focus on my flying and hopefully um, flight training during a period which has started to build back up again. Um, so it's just, so um, although um, things are affected currently, uh, it will bounce back. It may not be the same as it was before the pandemic. I mean, you may see different cockpit and aircraft layouts. Um, You may see um, a bit more space between passengers in economy class. Um, You don't know what the future is going to hold. But um, people will go on holidays again. Uh, People will take their business trips around the world. Um, And uh, Britain and the world will get flying once again soon.
0: it is great to hear such positivity from you both. Um, and Jacob, it's really awesome to hear um, how Bucks has been kind of accommodating and flexible in terms of your study um, and how you've managed to kind of rework that. So that's really good to hear. Jordan, what do you think? What are your thoughts?
3: Well, using my degree knowledge, uh, so just plug it in there. Um, we, we've had to look at this as part of our course anyway. So I've kind of, looked at some of the data that IATA has been releasing and, and they're kind of estimating 2024 for when it returns to the 2019 levels that we were seeing. But they also say there's different factors involved. So you, this is a global issue. So just because the UK is doing well doesn't mean it's going to resolve the whole aviation industry. We've got to wait for every country to have all their vaccines and all those things sorted out. And also we don't know what's going to happen with terms of other strains. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen in terms of the public perception. But there is, as Freya said, a massive um, like amount of people that want to go abroad. I personally want to go abroad. I booked a holiday in September, so I'm hoping that, that still goes ahead. So, you know, it could be, um, you know, within the next two, three years when the when it recovers. But then, you know, for it to grow again and grow the way it was in 2019 from 2018, You could be looking anywhere up to 2029. But this is the perfect time, more than ever, to do a degree because you've got that flexibility with the modular course, as everybody was saying. And it's a three-year period, so you can let things calm down. You can see what's going to be happening with the aviation industry a lot clearer, and it'll be the best time for when you do finish that to be ready with your licence more than ever to, to go and get that pilot job. So I wouldn't let it deter anybody. You know, if you want it enough, you will get it. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, when, not if.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Thanks, Jordan. And um, Freya, have you got another, another point to add?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to echo this that about the degree thing. Like, I'm so grateful I actually did the degree at Bucks because I started my pilot journey um, in 2017. And if I hadn't done the degree, I would have finished all my training probably around 2019, early 2020. And that is exactly when the pandemic hit. So if I hadn't done the degree, I would have been left with a flying license, no flying jobs, nothing to help me go forward. And because actually because I've done the degree, I've actually managed to get a graduate role at the university short term. And it's been really, really great because all the stuff we learnt during the degree, it's been really, really useful to use elsewhere. Not just obviously in aviation, but in different um, different organisations and different job roles as well so it's been a really really good decision that i've made i'm really happy that i did
2: i'm just gonna add quickly as well is um i started the i started the degree um just towards the end of 2019 i'm glad i chose to do the degree now um i mean i'm glad i didn't do the integrated route um well one i didn't have the funds and um two again i i didn't feel ready um so um I'm glad I made that decision to do the degree at Bucks and take the modular route.
0: So there you go. I think what we're saying basically is for anyone listening who has uh, nerves around what the future of the aviation industry looks like and whether or not studying a degree is the right choice. It sounds like it's the perfect choice because we all know that at some point the aviation industry is going to be booming again. And in the meantime, why not become fully prepared to get into that industry um, with lots of options available to you? Okay, so I think because of COVID, it is sometimes easy to forget the other thing that has been taking over lots of our headlines in this country over the last few years, and that's obviously Brexit. Jordan, um, why don't you um, let us know what what advice you would have for international students when it comes to choosing the right kind of pilot's license, given everything we're dealing with Brexit at the moment?
3: Yeah, so there's been a lot of changes. And what I'm trying to do is work to try and make it clearer what those changes are to people. So what I would always advise um, people to do is first look at where you have living and working rights. So obviously with the UK no longer being part of the RSA, we don't have the free movement of people. Um, So it's going to be hard to get jobs within the EU if you've just got a UK passport because EU airlines will want to hire EU nationals um, and that's just the way it's going to be. We don't know how long that's going to be like that because they are working on agreements and trying to make it much more accessible in aviation. But we don't know when that's going to be. So for the time being, this is all I can kind of recommend. So if you've got a, a UK nationality, you've got a UK passport, then whether you want to work in UK or Europe, if you want to work in UK, it's clear, just get a, a UK license work towards that if you want to get a european license and you've got a uk passport then what you're going to have to try and do is see if any airlines will sponsor you for that visa to have that living and working rights um also with the training in the uk you now can't complete all of it in the uk you have to go and do your ir your instrument rating uh test in a european country. Because the UK no longer counts as European airspace, it's a ridiculous rule. But unfortunately, that that is the implications of it. So, if you're planning on doing EAS training here in the UK, you will need to be prepared to go elsewhere in Europe to finish off that part of the training. Now, if you're in Europe and you've got European passports uh, and you've got the European living rights, then you can't work in the UK because you, or unless you've got a visa in the UK or you've got um, the living and working rights in the UK, um, you can only work in Europe. So obviously the easy question the easy answer is to complete the EASA training route and get your EASA license. If you want to do, do the UK route, um, if you haven't already had to apply for the EU settlement, settlement scheme uh, before the 30th of June, um, or you can undertake a UK license training, but then you've got to be on the basis that UK pilots are going to be hired first, uh, so it's going to be unlikely that you are going to get that UK visa. So these are the kind of different routes. I hope that kind of makes sense. But I am—I've created a flowchart because it's a lot simpler to show it via a flowchart, I think. And as I said, you know, it's always constantly changing. I am um, in talks with the CAA in regards to this, and you know, it's not going to be a short term fix, but there is the possibility to have more mutual recognition between both states uh, that allows for increased flexibility. And that's hopefully what all pilots do want. We want to, you know, be able to work in Europe as freely as possible, and then to work in the UK as freely as possible. But at the moment, this is the current situation, unfortunately.
0: Okay, thank you. And I think it's really, really important to highlight that. So thanks, Jordan. Um, Jacob, question for you, because I know that you have previously written a blog about our um, aviation society. So um, I want to hear from all of you. But Jacob, coming to you first, tell us a bit about it.
2: So the Aviation Society um here at Bucks New University. Um it's a free society to join, um, just the big deal, um, where all societies are each to join and it's open to anyone. You don't have to be doing an aviation course to do it. Um if you like planes, join up. Um so um, yeah, essentially the um, society organises um guest speakers um and has been doing that quite a lot recently um because we can't go anywhere. Um we usually do trips um to British Airways headquarters, um Luton Air Traffic Control Tower, um RAF Museum in Hendon, um and a load of other places as well. Um, and the Society, I'm pretty sure Jordan will talk about that more. Um, but we also have um a partnership with the Royal Aeronautical Society um, and the Air League as well. Um, and also um, uh, this blog site as well called The Final Approach, um, which um, I regularly write blogs for um, as well. Um, so uh, we have got um, like lots of links um, with um, um, different societies. Um, and yeah it's just a great society to be a part of and we are accredited as well Um, so we do get a bit of extra funding um, for trips and um, events to host Um, so yeah I'm not sure if um, Jordan has anything else to add well
3: uh, (laughs) you pretty much summed up perfectly uh, yeah, I chaired I it in the 2019 to 2020 season, if they call it a season. Um, unfortunately, COVID did hit, hit towards the end. There was a lot more things that we wanted to achieve. Um, but in that time when COVID wasn't around, as Jacob said, you know, we went to Waterside, the British Airways headquarters. We went to the EasyJet operations room and even went to RAF Norfolk. These are places that the public do not get to go into. And as you're an integrated student, you will not get to go into. So this is, again, a huge benefit of joining Bucks because we're able to open up all these opportunities to really get an insight into every part of the career, military, commercial, cargo, you name it. And um, we've got, obviously, loads of guest speakers this year during the lockdown um, kind of period um, where we're trying to make the best of what we can. And uh, we've also got a thing called Era Challenge, which is a competition once a year um, it's held by the Royal Aeronautical Society, and all the universities, all the kind of aviation companies, engineering companies, all go against each other in one massive quiz. Essentially, um, they they manage to get every single thing aviation related. There's a music round, there's a picture round. It is crazy, but um yeah, we always submit a team to to that air challenge every year, and uh, that's a fantastic way of promoting what we're doing at Bucks to the rest of the industry and and it's a great networking event as well and then as I said with the Air League you know we're partnered up with them you get to attend all those kind of trips and networking events as well through them and opens up all the scholarship opportunities that I spoke about earlier and it's just endless it's fantastic opportunity and anyone in aviation should join
2: the Aviation Society it's completely free I suppose um, one other thing as well, just to mention, is that Buxton University is partnered up with the Oxford University Air Squadron um, and um, essentially it's um, like a society, um, but it's a lot involved like towards more the military side, um, learning about leadership, teamwork. Um, Going camping, um, going, going abroad even, well, we can't do that right now. Uh, but we also get free flying involved, um, uh, flying the Grob Tutor out of REF Benson. Um, um, that's, and yeah, doing a load of aerobatics and learning a different type of flying um, on top of um, the flight training that you're going to be doing. It doesn't count towards you hours, but it's still experience. You're still learning to fly an aircraft. Um, so that's another really good um, uh, initiative that New University um, has recently um, agreed upon. And you get paid as well. I think it's like £3.50
3: an hour, but you get paid to fly. Wow. wow. What? <laughs> Where can I sign up?
0: <laughs> <laughs> £3.50 an hour? <laughs> Tax-free. What will you buy? Um, might be all right if you were going to Australia. Um, Freya, have you got anything to add about the aviation society or any of the other societies or any extracurriculars that you might want to flag at this point?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to echo what Jordan Jacob said about the aviation society and all the opportunities there are. I remember in my third year when we went to RAF Northall, I was already like in shock because. It's something that's not open to the public. It's something that you drive past, but you just see all the barriers against and it's like there's a military and it's high security. And we were going through airside. We were crossing the, we were driving through like all the taxiways and everything. And then um, I remember they took us on a tour around like the hangars and stuff. And I still will never forget this. I sat in the Queen's seat. So she goes in a, a private jet, obviously, when she flies around. And they took us on the aircraft and they showed us like where she normally sits or the Prime Minister, where they normally sit when they um, travel abroad. And I just remember being able to have, literally, he was like, do you want to have a seat? I was like, yeah, why not? And there was a picture of me sitting where the Queen would normally sit when she flies around. So like the stuff that we do through the Averson Society is just amazing, something you'd never think of doing um, yeah, it was really, really great. And we even saw people like David Beckham coming up his private jet. And yeah, it was just, I still remember that day very, very clearly because it was so, um, so many opportunities in such a short period of time, which was amazing.
0: There you go. So for any David Beckham fans out there, come study at Bucks and you might get to see him in the flesh. <laughs> um faria i've got a question for you this is around um women in aviation because obviously um it's one of those industries that's quite underrepresented um what um what's your experience of um being a woman in a very male-dominated industry
1: um i mean i know when i first started i was actually very very nervous about starting because i knew it would be very male-dominated i just didn't really know what to expect because i came from a school which was mixed and i sort of had that interaction between um like throughout my primary school secondary school and everything and I knew that coming to university and doing an aviation course might be slightly different however I just remember when I started it was honestly the opposite of what i had feared everyone was so kind and everyone was so friendly it was just I didn't feel any different like I thought I stood out and I thought I was like the old one out but honestly everyone like all the guys were super friendly super understanding and everyone at Bucks was just Everyone had that goal of wanting to be in the flight deck and everyone shared that same passion, something I never had, obviously, when I was in sixth form or um, in school. So everyone bonded over that same passion. Everyone sat revising together every evening. I remember in my flat, because a lot of us stayed in Hewenden. And um, so we all, every evening, we would spend like an hour or two hours in the show, in the social common area, studying together. And it was just honestly amazing everyone was encouraging each other to be like the best we can and I remember doing every one of those PPL exams together after each one we would go out to like Nando's a massive group of us it'd be I think we took up a table of like 30 30 of us all sat together um, celebrating and honestly since then I've seen an increase every year of the number of girls on the course it's been really really great because I feel like a lot more girls are being now encouraged and less feared of what they might think it is and looking back I really wish someone had told me that there really was nothing to worry about because it has been absolutely amazing
0: well there you go you can be the person that tells any any <laughs> women yes. listening to us today that there's there's nothing to to worry about 100% um and they'll get a Nando's out of it as well which is always yeah, you know exactly. it's a <laughs> that's like a High Wycombe treat go to Nando's and they
1: go to a Hollywood bar that's like a thing you do after every exam <laughs>
0: Amazing. Um, boys, what do you think? Um, Jacob, why don't we come to you first? Just thoughts around everything that Freya was just saying and just more generally about women in the industry. Mm.
2: So uh, I definitely think now um, like um, the promotion around uh, women in aviation, um, it's definitely much more than it was 20, 30 years ago. Um uh, um with 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 the degree as well um when i f- when i first started um the degree i wasn 't really sure um what what how the cohort would be split um but when I was doing all my lectures and seminars um it was pretty half and half 50-50. and um that didn't come that didn 't really come to surprise to me um but um it gave me a sense of Yes finally they've got it right um p- the w- women are finally starting to um enter a career um where um before it may not have uh, may not have been a a good thing to do um if you take a look at um take a look at the country, countries where w- um, where women's rights are still quite slim look at saudi arabia around, around that whole area um so it's definitely it's definitely a step forward there's still a lot to do um in terms of um yeah the uk and usa they're doing really well um in hi- in hiring female pilots um but in terms of like the more global um aspect there's still a long way to go
0: jordan what about you have you got anything to add to that yeah i
2: think i, I...
3: this is just my opinion i think that the low percentage is caused down to schools not promoting it enough um not promoting jobs as um well as well as they could and through organizations like the air league and different other organizations out there and there's also the british um women's pilot association now doing a lot more uh, for women pilots and offering scholarships for them as well i think that's definitely a right step in the right direction um so yeah i think just schools and and in early education they need to promote it more promote it is a role for anybody you know the best person for the job will always get it it doesn't matter what gender they are um so yeah i think that's definitely my answer <laughs> thank you
0: we've said to freya a number of times you know one day we all reckon all of us in uh in our team at bucks reckon she'll be running an airline one day so free and maybe you could have like an all-female piloting crew <laughs> <laughs> that'd be amazing um okay so we want to know what the deal is with aviators <laughs> do they actually do anything or
3: do you just wear them to look cool as pilots jordan oh god <laughs> so this, it, it does do something But it looks cool at the same time. So it's just a win-win.
1: So it makes you look cool and feel confident. That's why Jordan wears them every single (laughs) chance he gets.
3: Yeah, indoors, raining, I'm wearing aviators.
0: (laughs) In bed. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, see, so you heard it here first. They do actually do something, but they are mostly to look cool. (laughs) Jordan and Freya, what made you, um, as two undergraduates, students at Bucks what made you decide to go on to do a master's and what has your experience been I know Faria you've kind of touched on that already so why don't we start with you.
1: So with me um, my plan was after graduating from the bachelor's of air transport with commercial pilot training I planned to finish the rest of my training I only had about three months left Um, and then obviously the pandemic hit and I was like well there's no point in me finishing all this training and being ready to be hired by an airline when no one's hiring at the moment. So I thought, what could I use my time with whilst waiting for the aviation industry to recover? And, um, you know, what else could I learn or what else could I do? And I thought the job market itself, whether it was in aviation or whether it was just in general, it was very, very tight. Like I remember applying for loads of jobs and it was just non-existent. Like the replies I was getting was nothing. So I thought, um, I had a look at books and I thought, I looked at the masters and I was like, it's only one year and it was um, taught in blocks. So we're actually taught over a couple of weeks each time. So it wasn't like um, we're taught in class every week. So I thought this would really, really suit me. This is something that would be really great in terms of, strengthening my knowledge of the aviation industry and um it was sort of because we're doing aviation regulation and law it was a completely new avenue for me i had no idea about regulations and law in depth especially to to do with aviation so i thought this is a really really good opportunity for me to learn a lot more about the industry because i already had that knowledge from doing the bachelors but i thought doing the masters it'd be another really great way to differentiate myself from again this massive competition of um we are now low hour pilots are ready to be hired. So I thought, what more could this do? And it really will give me some sort of talking point in the interview. And it will just reflect on how much I know about the industry rather than just the flying bit of it. So it's been a really, really great way for me to do that. And learning from it, doing, we're almost at the end of it. We've got one module left and then we've finished. It's gone by so, so quickly. I've learned so much that I never even would have thought of. Like we learned about regulations of airlines, airports, airspace, literally everything we even did a module on self development and personal development and it was just it opened my eyes to a lot and I'm really really happy that I did do it
0: cool thank you what about you jordan
3: so yeah i'm a little bit in the same boat as freya um i was looking to do my commercial pilot training um but then obviously the pandemic hit and uh, i always knew that i've wanted to work in aviation regulation um because my dissertation last year uh, it was on colour vision regulation for commercial pilots and uh I've been working heavily on that and also pilot licensing in the EU exit part as well. Um, so I'm always in constant communications with the Department of Transport and the UK UKCAA um, on this. And um, I always knew that I wanted to work in policy and regulations in the future. But I was always thinking, OK, I'll do my commercial training. And then after I'm in the aviation industry for a few years, then I'll do my master's. This just opens up at the perfect time. This was the perfect opportunity for me to do it. There was no point in doing the training and then, you know, having no jobs to go to straight after. Um, This master's was the perfect time. And, uh, yeah, I just took it. And it's been fantastic ever since. And it's really enhanced my knowledge about different other parts of the regulation that I didn't know about originally. Um, So as Freya said, you know, airport regulations, uh, I had no idea. The amount that went into airport regulations. So yeah, it, it was just fantastic, um a fantastic choice that I made and I really am enjoying it. Amazing. So Jacob,
0: what do you reckon? Tempted by a masters?
2: Um f- um for me it's um waiting on seeing what the industry is like, um, the state of the industry. Um because hopefully by the time I complete uh, my degree in pilot tr- um pilot training, there'll be pilot jobs out there. Um if not, then I'll take a look at my options. Um, but again, it's down, it's down to like the state of the industry and what's going on at that moment.
0: Mm. It's good to know the options are there, though, right? Yeah,
2: it definitely is. Yeah,
0: guys, you've been awesome today. I've really enjoyed hearing more about the aviation um, courses at Bucks and the industry, and you know your guys' m- motivation and inspiration and everything like that. So, one thing I want to finish on is. If you could give one tip or send one message to anyone listening to this podcast today um around studying at Bucks or a career in aviation what would that one thing be um Faria, why don't we start off with you
1: I would definitely say do not let your fears hold you back because 9 times out of 10 you're going to look back and you think I'm so glad I did this um there are so obviously it's really hard and really difficult to take a big leap especially when it's such a big part of your life a big part of your career but once you do you'll find that everyone at Books is so lovely everyone is so knowledgeable so you'll be so supported throughout your whole journey whether you don't know a thing like I didn't I remember starting this course and I was just thinking what does PPL mean what what do all these like letters mean but within a couple of weeks I was like already so confident with myself and I really remember starting this course as a really shy and quiet person but throughout the whole time at Bucks I really developed a more confident and more outgoing person because of i'm just so glad i took that step because it's just been
0: honestly so great that sounds amazing jacob what about you
2: so one thing um that i um definitely want to give to people um is a quote that i use all the time and um us pilots know know <laughs> it um so a mile a mile of highway will take you a mile but a mile of runway will take you anywhere um or Although it does mostly refer to pilots, it actually refers to anything um, that you want to do. You can be anything that you want to be. Um, And don't let anybody anybody stop you. Um, If your parents say, oh, you should be doing this instead, don't listen to them. Um, Make sure they're still supportive of you. Um, But still, (laughs) um, do what you want to do and what you feel most, most comfortable with um so yes if you do want to study degree go for it um if you do want to start a career in aviation go for it there's nothing stopping you we need all the people we can get
0: jordan what about you what would you say
2: i'd say uh resilience
3: is definitely the key in this industry as i mentioned before it can be volatile and it's just like life in general it's a roller coaster you always have ups and downs there may be barriers in terms of money or training or jobs um or even medical but you know in those different uh difficult situations you know you just got to get through them and then there will be better days on the other side so resilience is definitely key in this industry and, and that's something that i would uh, pass on
0: amazing thank you um guys it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much uh to jordan jacob and faria today for taking our time to listen to me yabber on and ask some of those questions that no doubt people will find interesting to hear your answers to um, for anyone listening who wants more information please head to our website bucks.ac.uk uh, and you can find out more information about all of our aviation courses there um, and um, yeah that's all we've got time for so thank you so much and uh, we'll see you soon